Hey everybody, welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. Uh, we are about to start a new series on James Bond films. Now, there are a lot of James Bond films, so don't worry, we're not doing them all. Just like we do most of our series, we just kind of do a few of them. So, as I posted on our Facebook group, uh, Fans of Good, Bad, and Nerdy Movie Podcast, we're going to be doing a Bond series. And uh, here are some of the Bond movies we will be covering. Uh, we're going to start with You Only Live Twice, the fir- the final of the original uh, Sean Connery run. Of course, he does come back for Diamonds of Forever, but yeah, I-, I think many people agree this should this is really the end. The Diamonds Forever is kind of more of a um, oddity. oddity. Uh, next, we'll do uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the one George Lacey film, which over the years has become more and more critically praised. So we're going to uh, reevaluate that one. Also, Lazenby's own uh, acting, which I think is the one of the... Um, constant confusions about that film then we're gonna do uh live and let die um the first roger moore a personal favorite of mine which i think is you know it's uh, it's no more it's up and down opinions but i i personally think it's one of their better bond movies it's a favorite of mine then on the flip side we're gonna do the uh view to a kill the final roger moore movie which most agree is one of the worst bond movies but uh, some people have fond memories of it we will see how that goes. Now for uh, Pierce Brosnan, we haven't locked that one down yet. We have, uh, we're asking the fans to uh, vote on our Facebook group uh, which Pierce Brosnan film we want to do. Now we are for we are doing Timothy Dalton. We are going to do uh, License to Kill uh, as opposed to um, uh, The Living Daylights. Uh, I, I don't know. I always feel like Living Daylights is too... <clears throat> complicated by license to kill is a little more fun a little more straightforward um itself is an interesting kind of comparison to uh, live and let die and they basically took parts of living the religion of live and let die book that they didn't use and incorporate it into license to kill so so it's a nice little you know bookend right there and then finally for uh, uh daniel craig we're gonna do skyfall at this point, the most uh, highest-grossing Bond movie of all time, and you know, uh, some people think it's the best Bond movie. Other people don't like it. I think it's an interesting kind of comparison for which Bond uh, when it comes to Daniel Craig movies. You know, there's that debate: is Casino Royale the best one? Now, and I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, No Time to Die is really good. I haven't seen it yet, so that's why we're not even. You know, we're not going to go down the road yet because with the pandemic, it's harder to pick a movie to go see and. Unfortunately, probably like a lot of Bond movies, you have to wait for video. Most, you know, most people, you know, and something that's why I want to talk about before we get started with our series. How many people have seen a lot of Bond movies in theaters? Now, I have seen three of the Brosnan Bonds in theaters, and that's it. I didn't go see uh, Die Another Day, which I'm glad I didn't waste money on that one. I've actually never seen a Craig movie in the uh, theaters either. Just because once in scheduling, you know, I've got kids. It's you got to pick and choose sometimes. All of the Roger Moore and all of the Connery and Lay, you know, all the classics I only saw on television. Like a lot of people who grew up in the eighties and nineties, our Bond, uh, you know, fa- you know, fascination came from uh, the uh, you know the classic TBS, you know, Seven Days to Double O Seven marathon. So. They'd run all the Bond movies in like a marathon or sometimes a week in like three days at 007. So you could sit down and watch the James Bond marathon. In fact, it gets referenced if you've ever seen American Beauty. Kevin Spacey's character actually brings up, you know, he doesn't want to go somewhere because the Bond the Bond marathon's on right now. You know, back then, you know, 
you could get them, you could rent them. But, you know, when you have like 13 Bond movies, or uh, that's a lot of you know, movies to rent. And even back then, you know, videotapes or DVDs, they weren't like the cheapest deal. You could probably, there was a time you could get them for like a dollar each. But still, that's, that, you know, that's a lot of planning effort. And you don't know how when it's a turn. You know, but if it's on a marathon, if you don't miss, if you miss it, it's not the end of the world. You put, invested no time in it. And if you're bored, you can put it on. But you can just watch whatever one they uh, have Aaron because now later on now that we live in an era of like on demand you can just pick it whenever you want so it's less of a deal but back then you know sometimes if you didn't really if you hadn't planned to see on your Majesty's Secret Service but that was the next one aired you watched it as you're like all right well I'll watch it if you don't like you can change the channel I know a lot of people said the same thing like they would watch the first 15 minutes on your Majesty's Secret Service and change it because they thought it was a little too odd so. Other people be like, go the other way around. They'd be like, okay, I'll watch the whole thing. So that's kind of how some of these movies kind of developed newer audiences as opposed to how they did in the theaters initially. Now, uh, as we'll be talking, like, what's who's the best Bond? I thought it'd be more fun. I'll give my little uh, rundown of how I rank the Bonds. And, you know, like Batman and, you know, the actors playing Batman, you know, they all have their own certain qualities and they all, their movies all have certain kind of themes. So, number one, honestly, and I know some people may think I'm crazy because I go with Roger Moore. I think, even though he made a, a couple of really bad Bond movies, I think he was actually one of the, he defined, well, I think, a classic Bond trope, you know, the um, smooth spy. Second, I gotta go with uh, Pierce Brosnan, and you're thinking, why is Sean Connery not second or first? Well, I'll get to it in a second, but uh, Pierce Brosnan, I think, wisely had this perfect balance of the Roger Moore and Sean Connery vibes, uh, specifically in the way that he, you know, his, his charm, you know, charm was great, but also he could be very physical. He was, he could be very intense, very uh, methodical, and I've said before, like aside, you know. He unfortunately had a couple of really bad Bond movies as well, but he himself was never the problem. I think at the same time as just the uh, people involved in making the Bond movies just couldn't make give him what he needed. He himself said he really wanted them to get the rights to Casino Royale and let Quentin Tarantino direct it, which we may do as a uh, episode coming up later for the greatest movie ever made podcast. But I, like I said, I think I think uh, Pierce Brosnan should be uh, second. Then third, I go with Sean Connery. Now, Sean Connery is the definitive, you know, Bond in to almost everybody. He, he was the first Bond. He defined the Bond style. And uh, truth be told, he's fantastic in just all of them. But there is something, you know, missing about the way Bond is react, you know, portrayed sometimes. And I think it's not Connery's fault. I think they wanted to go a certain style. You know, the early Bond movies suffer from a lot of, like, transitional period in that they're... Are they trying to be accurate to the books or are they trying to be more cinematically accurate? You know, by the time I do You Only Live Twice, they finally, I think, nailed it down. I think with Thunderball and, to a lesser extent, Goldfinger, they got how James Bond should be. Now, um, are those the best Bond movies? I don't know. But there are certain themes to Bond that work better in those later films that he's in. Now, when we get to Diamonds Are Forever, it, they went off the rails a little bit because it wasn't supposed to be Connery. He agreed to come back basically as a favor and a big-ass paycheck. 
So uh, that's one I think most people kind of le- uh, some people love, some people hate. It's definitely got some behind the scenes issues and some editing problems. So, so that's kind of why I feel like you know, and that that's sort of an issue that's a whole nother mess. And that's why I don't knock him down. But I definitely think like the the peak Sean Connery bonds are um, Goldfinger. Uh, Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. Uh, but I will say this, Dr. No and From Russia with Love are very good movies. Uh, uh, From Russia with Love is actually a much tighter spy film than most of the other ones. But, I don't think Connery had, fi- you know, Connery doesn't really be- get the real bond down until we get to uh, Goldfinger or something. And I've always said if they want to do a remake of another one of those, that's one they should definitely, like, redo is uh, From Russia with Love. Now, uh, next, I gotta go with uh, Daniel Craig. Uh, I'm definitely on the. Uh, I like Daniel Craig as Bond, but I don't, it's the Daniel Craig Bond. I think everyone agrees that you know the reason Bond different with Craig is they intentionally made a specific type of Bond just for Daniel Craig. You know, this is you know three of these movies have basically been the origin of this James Bond. So when we get to Spectre and you know, No Time to Die is like his finally like he's done with the origins of Bond. Casino Royale. Bond's first, you know, real mission. Quantum Assault, the fallout of that first mission, and which is basically a direct sequel, which is a rare thing. And then we got Skyfall, which is really, and I think why it's the best of his films. It's the uh, fine, it's the end of the quote-unquote origin of Bond, because all those classic bits of Bond are finally in place. <clears throat> but more importantly, Bond has finally become the um, Bond that, you know, that he, yeah, Dana Craig has developed this character, and we're at the end of that where he is the—he's truly James Bond. You know, people are saying, "Well, the end of Christina Rally becomes James." No, it's the it's the end of it's Skyfall where he's got all of his Bond details down. And I think cinematically, it's like the, it's the tightest of all of his films. But uh, let me be stressed—I still haven't seen No Time to Die, so I don't really know. Um, I've, you know, some substance spoiled for me, so I know what happens in the film. But uh, at the same time, I haven't seen it, so I haven't been able to tell, like, acting-wise or action. You know, there's stuff that you can't see. You know, somebody can tell you, but you have to see to get your opinions down. So, the next question then is, like, so next, who would be, uh, you know, next on the list? Well, I'll go next. I'll definitely go with Timothy Dalton. I do feel like he was in a situation where he could have been in better Bond movies. I think... And this is my issue. I've always said that uh, *Living Daylights* is not a not the right movie for Timothy Dalton to be in. I think he was at he could have been a much better Bond if they gave him something a little different. They tried to go for something specific, and unfortunately, the '80s nature of it, just like some of the other, there were some of the Roger Moore Bonds suffer from that. that it's a decade where, even though it's a heavy period of like espionage and you know world crisis with you know so on and on, Bond doesn't fit in. Yeah. So then when we get to uh, License to Kill, it's uh, I think it actually works better as a movie for Dalton and it's more it's it's similar to Live and Let Die. It's less about espionage and more about like a Bond as an assassin, which I think is a key to how Dalton was playing him as opposed to say, you know, working like the actual like politics and the uh, you know, the investigation. Bond is a flat out killer. That's a great, you know, that's the best use of Dalton. Now, of course, that means Lazy Me's last. And that, now, I should say, I think On Her Majesty's Service is a great movie, but Lazy Me, unfortunately, and it's probably because he was not an experienced actor, 
has his own problems. And, you know, there's a lot... They throw a lot to try to make him work easier with it. But at the same time, you got people who are better actors working with him. It kind of shows how unsuccessful he is. is you know, how, you know, amateurish, I guess is the best way to describe his acting style. So, after that, then we got to go with... Um, and that, you know, that's all the bond, the uh, traditional bonds. Now, of course, you know, I could also throw in uh, the quote-unquote unofficial Bond movie, the Casino Royale comedy from the uh, 1967. That's an interesting one. And in there's like eight, you know, multiple people all take the title of James Bond as part of a running gag that all British Secret Service agents go by the name James Bond, and it's a complete mess of a film. I may talk about that one separately because that's one for oh boy. You know, when a comedy parody goes wrong, in many ways you can see it. In that particular case, everything went wrong in multiple ways. Now, I will say this. Of the actors in that film playing it, you know, playing Bond, including David Niven, Peter Sellers is actually really good in the sequences he's in. As if you've ever heard stories, Sellers and uh, Orson Welles, who was playing Le Schieffer, got into a pretty nasty debate. He just quit the movie. So his sequences kind of suddenly just stop. Uh, and at that point, then, they started fabricating all these uh, other sequences to kind of play around the fact they'd shot about a third of a movie and they needed to fill in the rest of it. And, and then it becomes one of those weird 60s madcap comedies. It doesn't work. But Sellers himself actually was pretty good in what he did. They actually, it was way more faithful to the original book that, you know, initially with his storyline. Then it gets into all these kind of weird side bits. And then you have people like John Houston co-worked on this film. You're like, how did this happen? So, and David Niven actually fits a profile bond that I think uh, could have worked. Uh, unfortunately, he was already way too old. If they'd made a Bond movie in 1950, David Niven would have been a perfect choice for James Bond. So, but yeah, uh, so those are some of the uh, little primers we got talking about our um, Bond series. Uh, if you ha- like to vote, make sure to go to our Facebook group, Fans of Good, Bad, and Nerdy Movie Podcast. Like I said, there's four Brosnan movies, so we'd like for you to vote, see which of those four we watch. You know, and I'll remind you, it's GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. And just for reference, if you don't remember each one, um, GoldenEye is the first Brosnan movie that includes the uh, Famke Janssen with her uh, uh, thighs of death. That's right, she can squeeze people to death with her thighs. Then we have uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, in which Michelle Yeoh basically upstages Bond as the coolest uh, Chinese agent possible. And we also have... some. Uh, that's basically Rupert Murdoch as the villain, which... If you know anything about history, they uh, they were pretty much on the nose about that. Then we got uh, the world's not enough, which is uh, <laughs> kind of an, it's a it's a fun movie, but it's also one where uh, we have Doctor Christmas Jones played by the impossibly poorly miscast, and I mean, you know, it's like. <sighs> So I, I'll leave that one, but yeah, that's the woman, Dr. Christmas Jones. You know, I don't even go into further about uh, who plays her and what this, what bad decision they make in that one. That also is the one where John Cleese takes over as R instead of for Q. Another bad. And then we got finally Die Another Day, which is the most outrageous one. Halle Berry is a, 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 a is his sidekick in that one. 
And we've got, of course, the uh, notorious uh, invisible car and the laser from space. I'm not kidding. There actually is a laser <laughs> melting a ice castle. Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Madonna. That's all I have to say about that one. All right, but uh, if you have any uh, a, a fun insight about Bond films that we're not covering, please hit us up on the uh, thread on this in our Facebook group, and of course hit us on uh, Twitter. I uh, hope you're all excited about this one. You know, like our, our 12 Days of Star Wars we did last December. This is going to be kind of... I'm not going to release these all in one row, but the month of December is going to be for Bond. I thought that's the fun time to do Bond. Um, and then we get into... As we get into uh, 2022, we'll have some more fun random episodes. We may do some more series again like we've done this past year. Anyway, my name is Tom. I'm your host of the Good, Bad, and Movie Podcast. See you all next time.